All right, and hello from Boise, Idaho. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at the sometimes complicated intersection of education issues, policy, and politics here in the great state of Idaho. I'm Clark Corbin, and you guys are stuck with me today because Kevin Richard, my partner in crime, uh, took the week off. He was on vacation up in British Columbia, but never fear. Uh, Kevin will be back next week and we'll be back at full staff. Uh, but I have an exciting podcast. Uh, we're going to have a special guest that we're going to introduce uh, in a couple of minutes. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. But I want to start off by going through some of the top stories uh, of the week. As you guys know, even though it's summer and school is out, a lot of education policy is being set over the summer. And there are a lot of important decisions uh, that are being made that uh, we're tracking. But there's also some fun stuff going on in the schools. But I want to take you over to Eastern Idaho. Our Eastern Idaho reporter, Devin Bodkin, has been staying busy this summer covering the Bonneville and Idaho Falls school districts. And earlier this week, Devin reported that the Idaho Falls School District's Board of Trustees approved a bond issue uh, that they're going to bring before voters in November. Uh, this project, uh, you can find out all about it at IdahoEdNews.org. Uh, but what they're talking about is rebuilding Idaho Falls High School and renovating Skyline High School to the tune of about $110 million. That's going to be, you can look for that on your November uh, election. And just one thing to always keep in mind here. Uh, bond issues, there's a high bar for passage in the state of Idaho and in seven, several other states. It's actually two-thirds here in Idaho, as a lot of you guys know, so you need that super majority. Uh, sometimes it's a little tricky. The neighboring school district, the Bonneville School District, had a bond issue that I believe that they had to run three or four times uh, in order to win approval from their patrons. So it's always kind of interesting, but if you want, if you live in eastern Idaho and want to find out a little bit about what this proposal is, how could it affect your family, head over to IdahoEdNews.org and check out Devin's story. Kind of on the fun front, I wanted to alert you guys to a story out of the Boise area that our multimedia journalist Andrew Reed uh, was working on this week. He went out to Timberline High School in the Boise School District, and he met with uh, English teacher Lori Roberts, and she has a really cool classroom. For about the last eight years, at the end of the year, she has her students sign personal messages and uh, almost like graffiti on her classroom, almost like kind of a living yearbook. Uh, so if you uh, or any of your family members have been to Timberline High School and want to check in, uh, that's kind of a fun story. And there's quotes from students, there's quotes from famous authors like J.D. Salinger and George Orwell, kind of a really cool story out of Timberline and the Boise School District if you want to check that out. One other thing I wanted to point out this week, earlier this week I participated in a meeting at the State Department of Education offices, kind of gearing up for the budget and policy debates uh, that we are going to start looking at, especially when the legislative session reconvenes in January. Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra and her staff brought together they call them stakeholders, but it's different education groups from around the state. So you have the Idaho Education Association, the School Boards Association, the Idaho Association of School Administrators, Idaho Digital Learning Academy, um, some special educators, folks from the Boise and Moscow school districts. So you've got about 20, 25 people all sitting around a table in Boise, kind of debating what they would like to see in terms of priorities for education spending next year. Uh, as you guys know from following education in the state of Idaho, education is by far the largest expense in the state of Idaho. K-12 public education alone takes up about 49% of the state's general fund budget. 
And uh, once again, no surprise to uh, our longtime readers and listeners, teacher pay. Uh, the issue of teacher pay was the top priority that these educators identified. It's through the legislature's career ladder salary law. A lot of you are familiar with that term, but that's basically the five-year plan uh, to raise teacher salaries through the state. And the whole idea is that that would help with the both recruitment and retention uh, of quality educators in the state of Idaho. So without exception, unanimously, uh, the groups that met with the superintendent's staff earlier this week said that teacher pay and continued funding of the career ladder is their top priority. Now, guys, this would be the fourth year out of five uh, in terms of the planned investment in teacher salaries. And so look for that discussion. Uh, look for a lot of support. Uh, for that during the upcoming 2018 legislative session, which will convene in early January. Just a couple of other things that educators talked about. They talked about the importance of funding classified salaries. Now, that's going to be the folks that aren't affected directly by the career ladder. One example might be like an IT staffer. And so uh, folks are pushing for an additional investment in classified staffers, saying that some school districts spend like a dollar sixty for every dollar that they receive from the state, uh, and this is an area where uh, they would like a little support and assistance. Also, uh, another theme that we've heard over the years that was also important this year that professional development training for teachers that was a priority for a lot of different groups, and we heard from. Uh, the chief deputy superintendent and the chief policy advisor, that would be Pete Kohler and Duncan Robb, uh, that the State Department of Education, again, is going to make a push for their rural school center proposal. The idea there is they want to have... Uh, additional services and support and programs available for students and teachers in some of our smaller, uh, more isolated, more geographically remote school districts. Those are the small districts that kind of dominate the state. And the idea is they want the same uh, level of services and programs and classes offered in like a lap way uh, that the students have currently in like maybe West Ada or Boise. Uh, and so that's been a proposal that we've seen in the legislature the last two years has not been able to make it to the Senate so far, um, but the superintendent looks poised to bring that back uh, next year. So look for that. But I think that covers all of our top headlines this week. I'm really excited uh, about our special guest this week. We have Carlin Lairway from the Idaho State Department of Education. Carlin, welcome to the Extra Credit Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Take just a second and introduce yourself, if you would, and tell me about your position with the State Department and your background in education. Thank you, Clark, for inviting me today. Uh, my name is Carlin Lairway. I'm the Director of Assessment and Accountability for the State Department of Education. Uh, I come from a, a family of educators. My mom is a teacher uh, for 30 years in the Treasure Valley. I'm a um, product of public education here in the Treasure Valley and um, a graduate of Boise State University. I've spent about 14 years in education working in local school districts uh, before coming to the State Department, and I've been here about three years. Um, most recently in this position um, for coming up on a year now. So I'm excited to um, work with our school districts. Um, having come from a district, I see the importance uh, of the work that is happening every day in classrooms across the state and excited to have that experience here at the department. Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come in and visit with us. I want to talk about the Every Student Succeeds Act, about the state's ESA plan. Uh, Kevin, uh, my coworker, always gives me a hard time. He says this is my summer of ESA, but it's really the summer of ESA for you and the State Department of Education staff. Um, but I just kind of want to get into when we talk about ESA, when we talk about the Every Student Succeeds Act, 
what is that exactly? And if I'm a parent in the state of Idaho and I want to find out about what this means for my family, if I have students in public schools, just kind of help me understand what ESA is and why I should be concerned about it or how it might affect my family. Absolutely. Um, the Every Student Succeeds Act was uh, passed in 2015 and signed by President Obama um, after bipartisan support in, um, in reauthorizing No Child Left Behind. And essentially, um, the premise of the Every Student Succeeds Act is to return uh, decisions about student achievement and academic um, priorities for schools to states and to local education agencies, so our school districts here in the state. We talk about local control sometimes. That's a word that I hear uh, at the state capitol building a whole lot. Is, is ESA a push away from the federal government in favor of, of local control? Is that, and I know it's more complicated than that, but is that a general way that we could think about it? I think that's exactly how we think about it. it uh, rather than the, st uh, the federal government deciding our goals and, and outcomes for students and how schools will be um, identified and supported or what actions or sanctions in some respects would be taken for schools that are not meeting academic requirements or expectations, the state gets to decide that. And so um, as part of the Every Student Succeeds Act, the state is um, working through our consolidated state plan, uh, which we're going to talk about, I think, a lot today. Yeah. And, um, and we, this is an opportunity for us to say what our priorities are. What, what do Idaho stakeholders value in education, and where do we want to see our education go for our students in preparing them uh, for the workforce and for college, career, and whatever they may pursue in life? Okay. Let's talk about the state plan um, a little bit. I've been going to a number of meetings over the last six weeks or so, both with policymakers and with educators in the field. Um, but there's a lot of interest in this state plan. I've got it in front of me on my desk. You have it in your head. It's about 75 pages, but what is the state plan uh, from a mile-high, 40,000-foot view? Uh, and then we'll work in closer in some of the details. But, but what is the state plan, and, and what's this big assignment that you and the state have been tasked with? So the uh, Consolidated State Plan is, is really two pieces. Um, you can think of it as, um, in one part, an application for federal dollars. Mm -hmm. So we're applying for Consolidated State Grant dollars that fund title programs, uh, totaling about $83 million. Um, and, and aside from that, then it is Idaho's plan for how we'll use those funds, what our priorities are for the state funds that we receive and retain at the department and in the agency to support our schools, and then how local funds, those flow-through funds that are prioritized in, in the federal dollars, um, can be used for schools. And we, we get to explain how we value that and, and with stakeholder input where we're using those funds to most uh, reach our students. So this is a little bit of a roadmap about how we will spend that federal money, but it's also sort of almost like a value statement. What's important for us in the state of Idaho? What's important for us with education? What's important with us with our students? So um, what are some of those, maybe some of the goals? What are, what are some of the things that are in the state plan that reflect the Idaho way, uh, as Superintendent Ibarra would say, the Idaho way of education, the Idaho way of doing things? Um, I think there's two parts to this. One uh, will be the, um, the values that we've heard from stakeholders on accountability. And that's a, a large portion of, of the plan. I think probably um, half of the total number of pages is dedicated to 
student achievement and what's important and how we value or evaluate rather um, our schools and our student performance um, and what ways that we can improve that for students. And then I think the other part of that is the flexibility that we have in allowing school districts to use those funds that flow through to them in the ways that best meet their needs. No one knows better what local communities need than the communities themselves. Sure. And so school districts have that flexibility, and I think that's evident in, in how we've approached that. Sure. I hear the word accountability a whole lot uh, at state meetings. I've heard it a lot this summer. I hear it at the legislature um, when I'm in the House and Senate Education Committee meetings. What does accountability mean, and what's the superintendent and the department's approach to accountability in the state of Idaho? Well, I'm a parent first, and I think when I when I think of accountability as a as a parent and as a taxpayer, um, as a community member, I want to make sure that our schools are doing um, the very best they can for students. And in order to um, evaluate that, we need a common metric, a way to identify where schools might need additional support, um, whether it be in strategies or in additional funding or in um, resources. Uh, so I think that's that's what I believe accountability is from a parent perspective. And I, I always say when I come to work, I'm a mom first. Um, so I think that's an important component. Um, I think accountability for the legislator and for policymakers is making sure that they are fiscally responsible with taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. and that they're doing right by all of us who contribute to that in providing um, an educational system that prepares students. And another way to evaluate that for them is our accountability framework and, and some of the ways that we're measuring whether or not schools are doing what we need them to do to prepare students. For me, I almost look at it as there's a transparency element, especially for your parents and your taxpayers out there. Um, when I think about accountability, uh, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot that goes under that umbrella, but I think about uh, an element of transparency, right? There's information uh, about my local school that would be available to me as a member of the public or a parent or a taxpayer. Uh, is that correct? Is, is that one aspect of it? I think transparency is really a key aspect of it. I think for parents to understand or communities to understand how dollars are being spent um, and where resources are being allocated, uh, they need a way or a mechanism to um, to determine that. And in one way, we hold schools accountable, and accountability is more than just a compliance component. It really is um, an active participation by all stakeholders to um, to do right by students, to see that our students are successfully prepared uh, for whatever um, their their life path may may be. Sure. And I think a couple of minutes ago you talked about when we when we look at accountability, it's important to have um, uh, metrics that we look at. Uh, without going too deep into the weeds, what are just maybe one or two of the metrics that uh, we will look at um, when it comes to our accountability plan and when it comes to reporting out to the federal government? What are some of the things we will look at when it comes to maybe school quality or uh, quality of education? So there's, um, I think there's two parts to this. Uh, the Every Student Succeeds Act requires that, um, that schools uh, report on or that the state reports on for every school and district and for the state um, student achievement, mm-hmm. um, improvement over time, graduation rate as an indication of, of school prep or student preparation and school quality. Um, the English language proficiency of our English learners is a, is a new um, addition to accountability in this um, plan. 
it used to stand on its own, and now it's really embedded in the process. And then finally, um, what we refer to as the school quality or student success indicator, going beyond academics and looking at things in schools like um, student engagement, um, safe schools, um, uh, anything from absenteeism in some states that they're using to discipline and, and um, incidences of bullying, things that um, engage students in their own education and also engage parents. And I know that the previous version of, of this federal law, No Child Left Behind, that was controversial for some folks, um, but I think the superintendent has talked about sort of a general mindset rather than a punitive approach or rather than um, a punishing a school if they don't meet a bar. She takes more of a supportive approach. Is, is that right? Is that what you see and experience at the office? I think that's the role of any state mm -hmm. education agency. Um, you know, we can't simply expect schools to uh, improve outcomes for kids because they're identified on a list or because, um, or, or because of some arbitrary measure. We want to um, highlight areas where schools can improve and provide resources and support them in making that happen. And that is absolutely um, the superintendent's vision, the department's vision for, for this plan is not to, um, to reprimand schools or to, um, to penalize schools, but to find ways, um, creative solutions, all of us at the table together looking at what are the, the inequities, what resources are available to a school, what resources are, there, are not available that we can help provide or connect access to. Sure. So sure. it is all about support. Okay, very good. Now, the State Department of Education is wrapping up a public comment window right now. We may be in the last couple days of that. But basically, um, your department, your office, has been seeking comment from Idahoans all throughout the state. What are some of the things that folks are saying, or what are some of the most common questions that you get at the state uh, as we as we've been into this public comment window, as we've had these public meetings this summer? Well, I think in the past um, several weeks, we've seen um, an, in an increase in stakeholder feedback. Mm -hmm. I think uh, when, when every Student Succeeds Act was published and when it was released, it was a, um, a great concept. People didn't quite understand how it, would f how it would play out. And it's really hard when you have something released in 2015 that doesn't go into effect in 2017 right. to keep people interested for that long. Um, and, and I think right now what we're seeing is a really great involvement from folks as they see this coming and what this means. Um, so to that end, I think um, our feedback has been um, we appreciate the fact that the state is supporting schools and not, and not reprimanding or penalizing schools. We appreciate the approach you've taken to school improvement. We are excited about um, the flexibility that we have. I think that's what we're hearing from stakeholders. We've also heard from stakeholders um, also some concerns uh, around um, our long-term goals and the ambitiousness of long-term goals or the unrealistic nature mm -hmm. in some respects of, or the realistic nature of how do we set goals and what do we do, what's our approach. Um, and I don't believe that it was just our approach. I think it was a collective approach to, to deciding those things. Uh, we've had, um, I can't tell you how many engagement activities, 62 meetings, 13 work groups that have been working since um, October of 2016, um, or before October of 2016, rather. Several in-person meetings, eight webinars. Uh, we've attended some national organizational meetings to, to really um, pull this apart and, and find out exactly what um, matters in Idaho. And I think we've done that. We've had great stakeholder involvement. And as the deadline approached, you, you mentioned um, sort of this, uh, this federal deadline that's approaching. 
um, that is the reality. This is due September 18th. This plan uh, will be submitted to the U.S. Department of Education by then. Um, and it's important. I think this is a critical time and it's a transitional point for, for us. And we're so grateful for all the involvement that we've had over the last several months. And, and I think it's reflected in this in this final plan that will go before the board in the August board meeting. Yeah, and uh, it, it, so where are we at right now? That August board meeting is just a couple of weeks away. I think it is maybe August 9th and 10th mm -hmm. uh, over in Pocatello. But where are we at with the plan right now? And um, and when will the when will the public be able to look at uh, a final draft or, or a final work product? Uh, that's a really great question. We are um, wrapping up uh, our public comment period, um, although I don't think the public comment period ever ends for a plan sure. like this. I think uh, stakeholder ongoing stakeholder engagement um, from our communities, from our educators, uh, after this plan is finalized, once it's gotten the seal of approval and we're, we're implementing, um, I think this ongoing dialogue is necessary, and this really gives us a new opportunity to do that. But to get back to the deadline, uh, we will be presenting... Um, a final draft of the plan for, for consideration and a vote of approval by the board, the State Board of Education, um, at the meeting in, um, in August. And uh, once that occurs, then um, the, the plan will go to uh, Governor Otter uh, for his review. Yep. Um, it is um, considered a requirement in ESSA that the governor has 30 days to review the plan before it's submitted. So um, he will have that as soon as the board meeting um, is adjourned and, and this, the signatures are on the document. And then um, we would have until September 18th uh, to submit that by the final deadline. Okay. Carlin, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Extra Credit Podcast today. I really appreciate it. It really helped. Uh, and, and you and your staff have really helped me understand what's in the plan and have gotten the word out to the public. Where can folks find, I think there's a sixth draft that might be publicly available. If folks want to dig into the plan themselves and see, okay, what's Clark talking about all summer, uh, where could they find that? Where, where could they find a resource to, to look at the plan and find out for themselves what's in it? So our, actually our seventh draft oh, is okay. posted um, on the State Department website. Uh, Very Prominent has its own dedicated page, and it, it actually goes through all of the different uh, documents, all the changes that have been incorporated, it involves stakeholder feedback, and it provides links to other resources um, and uh, recorded, uh, recorded webinars and other stakeholder engagement opportunities. So people could go all the way back to the beginning if they wanted to and look at every draft. Um, but the most recent draft, uh, draft seven, um, is out there. Once the, um, and this is the, the I believe the uh, presentation that we will give to the board or the draft that will go to the board is also now out um, on the website as well. Okay, very cool. So I'm looking right now at sde.idaho.gov. That's kind of the State Department of Education's homepage. It is. You see a picture of the superintendent uh, right on the front. And then on kind of the right side of my screen, as I look at it, it says topics. And at the very top, highlighted in red, I see Idaho's consolidated plan. And if I click on that, that gets me where I want to go to the information. And that's when we talk about ESSA, when we talk about accountability, uh, when we talk about the deadline um, and our application for the federal dollars. Uh, that's all contained in here. So head over to sde.idaho.gov. Look for the little red highlighted um, headline that says Idaho's Consolidated Plan. 
and then go from there. And there are links in there, a summary of the changes. You can review the document itself. There's a timeline in there, and there's a list of contacts uh, for your office and uh, for folks that want to get in touch and leave any feedback. So you can check that website out. You can check our stories in our archives at idahoednews.org. But Carlin, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show today. I also want to thank Jeff Church from the State Department of Education for helping coordinate this interview and coordinating a lot of my work over the summer. So uh, thanks to you guys and thanks to all of you at home for listening. I had a lot of fun with the Extra Credit Podcast and I hope you do too. Kevin will be back next week, so we will be back at full strength. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening and have a great week.